Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. At Kentucky Humanities, you know how proud we are of our uh, Chautauqua program, and we've tried to bring uh, some of these uh, characters uh, uh, to life, uh, uh, but the real people behind the characters uh, to life on the podcast, and and one of those uh, outstanding uh, performers, actors, uh, uh, is Kelly Bringleman, uh, who joins me today. Uh, Kelly um, has uh, honored us with her participation in the Chautauqua program with two characters, Madeline uh, McDowell Breckenridge, and we'll ask her a little uh, history lesson about uh, about the women's uh, suffrage movement. But uh, I think not more importantly, but more recently, mm-hmm. um, uh, Rosie the Riveter. Yeah, and Rosie uh, the Riveter. a lot of people, uh, I'm sure, are surprised to know that uh, Rose Lee uh, was... Uh, Born right here in Kentucky. Uh, born in Kentucky, or born. at least spent some time here. No, she was born in Kentucky, yeah. and it's actually um, Rose Lay. Lay. It looks okay. like Lee, yeah. but her parents changed the spelling of their last name, yeah. so it's actually pronounced Lay. Yeah, and I but remember yeah. you uh, talking about yeah. that in yeah. in. in, in in one of your performances, yeah. 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 No, she was born in Pulaski County. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, she's got a, a rich heritage, and she did move. She, she moved to, to Louisville, and uh, she spent some time there, and then she ended up, you know, moving away and coming back. Yeah. And um, But she um, always worked in Louisville, so uh-huh. she has this, this, this rich connection to Kentucky yeah. for sure. And she was a real person. She just wasn't a symbol, so. Well, what about your um, growing up and your, your rich <laughs> tradition in Kentucky? T- tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Well, you might be a little bit surprised to know that I am not from Kentucky. I was actually born and raised in Massachusetts. And, uh, but, you know, before you jump to any conclusions, thinking I'm some city slicker Yankee, um, my grandparents and my aunts and uncles, they all lived within, you know, five miles of the Boston city limits. But my parents raised me on Cape Cod. So I grew up in a town of 3,000 people where the ocean and the pine trees and blueberry bushes were my playground. So I did not a in, bad place, except no. in the wintertime, maybe. Well, it, it actually wasn't that bad because we were by the ocean. So <laughs> okay. it kind of that salt uh-huh. air broke up the broke up the snow a little bit. So it, actually, our winters were kind of similar to here, a little bit more snow for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but they were very similar. And um, and then, you know, my parents divorced and uh, we moved away. And I moved to Michigan and then Pennsylvania. And then I ended up in Kentucky and I spent my high school and college years here. How, how did you happen to, to end up here? Yeah. Um, well, in Kentucky, um, my stepfather accepted a position at Moorhead State University. Oh. So yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I ended up um, going to school in Moorhead and then I ended up going to school at Moorhead State. I got a, a full speech and drama scholarship. So I ended up going to school there and uh, met a lot of people. Um, one of them being Ed Smith, who plays uh, Adolph Robin other characters for the Humanities Council. And uh, he and I uh, spent a lot of time together within speech and drama and then met up with him again, you know, 10, 15 years uh-huh. later, and I saw him performing Adolf Rupp. Uh-huh. And I went up to him, and he says, oh, Kelly, you can do this. Yeah. And I went, no, no, I, you know, I haven't acted in so long, except for like things like TV commercials and radio spots, things like that. And he goes, no, 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 
fine because you, you don't have to be in rehearsal for long hours of time and you can pick and choose where you go. He goes, this is really up your alley. And so that's how I, I got into Chautauqua. So how long have you been uh, performing for uh, Kentucky Humanities? Right. Well, you mentioned I have two characters. Actually, I just started my fourth character. Um, it was about 14 years ago. Wow. Yeah, that I auditioned for my very first role. Uh-huh. And that was uh, Ruth Boo, the Bourbon Ball Bell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, I I did her for three and a half years. And uh, then I became pregnant with my third child. Oh. And I was playing a 65-year-old woman. <laughs> so being pregnant yeah. at 65, that just wasn't going to cut it. So I took yeah. a year off and... Um, a year later happened to be another audition year. So I decided I, I want a new character. So uh-huh. I auditioned as Lucy Audubon and got her, and I did her almost yeah. seven years. Mm-hmm. Seven mm-hmm. years, probably longer than I should have, but I was very comfortable with the role. Um, and then I decided, well, time to change it up again. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I auditioned for Madeline McDowell Breckenridge, and then for the very first time ever, I, I thought maybe I can try two characters at once, which to me is hard because you've got you know 40 minutes of two people's lives in your head at all times mm-hmm. um, but it's actually turned out well so then Rosie the Riveter came along so Ed Smith was uh, was correct you, you you do love it or you wouldn't still be doing it oh yeah well yeah. you know the thing about Chautauqua was you don't have to be just a good actor but you have to be a good writer and a good researcher and you have to be a good educator because we have Q&A following. And if you can't connect with your audience and continue to teach them and inspire them and give them more information, then that's not really going with the whole Chautauqua program. And it just kind of combines everything I love to do um, because I was a journalism major. So I love to write and research and act and been acting ever since I was probably four years old uh, in educating. It, It just combines everything together and I love it. Who are your best audiences? Ooh, hmm. Uh, probably, I'm, okay, I'm gonna say my best audiences are historical societies because they truly get it. They really get it. They're looking for um, not only a historical presence, but they're looking to be entertained as well. You know, they, they know their history, but they wanna be entertained by history. So they get the history part and they love the entertainment. So they're my best audiences. Uh, but my most interesting audiences are my kids Mm. because they pick up on all these little things that you don't think that they're going to pick up on and they do and during Q&A it's just amazing the things that come out of their mouths out of the mouths of babes right Mm, yeah 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 Um, so tell us about and and I'd like to go back to even though you're not performing these uh, Mm -hmm. the the, the characters the the first two that Mm you created and just talk a little bit about and we we just mentioned before we started uh, recording too how important history is and and mm-hmm. that we um i'll just bet you that 99 out of 100 people that we would stop on the street maybe outside of the central kentucky area wouldn't know who ruth hunt is ruth uh, boo i'm excuse yep. me ruth boo yep. I nope, said ruth it's hunt. very easy no, because no. there yeah. were two ruth candy makers yeah. in kentucky exactly. and i got asked that question exactly. constantly well yeah. that, that's good so yeah. so why why don't we know your character more more than I, I just said Ruth Hunt because sure. I, I I passed by the one of the stores sure. on, on the way to the interstate all yeah. the time so uh, but but also um, uh, we know that uh, the the uh, Ottoman I guess the the park and all of mm-hmm. that is in in Western Kentucky mm-hmm. and 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 how uh, important she was and all that. So just talk talk a little bit about those for, sure. those two characters. Sure. Well, first of all, the reason why you probably said Ruth Hunt is because. Ruth Hunt candies are in more retail establishments than Rebecca Ruth mm-hmm. uh, candies. Mm-hmm. So um, Rebecca Ruth candies, um, they required that their product be refrigerated. 
So we're not going to go into a big uh, advertisement for the companies because that's mm-hmm. not my goal. Yeah. No, <laughs> never never not. was and never right. will be. Um, but um, that's probably why you know uh, you know, Ruth Hunt candies more because it's more visible. Um, but yeah, I, the thing is, you know, a lot of people don't know who my characters are. And that's because I tend to pick characters that aren't steeped in a lot of history. You know, well, they're steeped in history, but they're not very well known. They're lesser known characters, mm-hmm. which I think is very important mm-hmm. because it's not only the stars of our history um, that should be promoted, but the everyday Kentuckian that did great things. And to me, that's something, you know, very deep in my heart. Um, everyday people that accomplish wonderful things and leave a mark on Kentucky's history and not just their history, but, you know, the personalities and the hearts and their souls and everything that make up Kentucky people. Those those are the people that that I really like to perform. Tell us a little bit about her and, and, and uh, her significance mm-hmm. in the uh, in, in the in the realm of candy making okay. in, in the history of Kentucky. Yeah, because you're not going to think, well, why are you talking about a candy maker? So what? She made candy. Well, she she is credited with inventing the Kentucky Bourbon Ball. Okay, and it's a very famous candy. Everybody know what bourbon balls are, uh, and whether you like it with you know the pecan on top or not, <laughs> uh, it's something that that people know. Um, but she also did it during Prohibition, hmm. you know? I mean, there were rations on, on, on bourbon and, and chocolate and, and all of that and sugar. Um, but she, she was just this everyday woman who, who rose above the ranks. Um, her husband died when he was relatively young. She was left raising a little boy. She tried to start her own business and she went to a bank for like a $50 loan and they rejected her because she was a woman. Hmm. And um, she actually borrowed money from her housekeeper, well, not her housekeeper, but a housekeeper in town Mm -hmm. who approached her and she said, I have some money and I want to give it to you. I know you're going to give it back, but I want to help you get started. Mm -hmm. And she was floored by that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely floored by the kindness of other people that you're not going to expect it to come from. Um, And granted, she was a higher ranking housekeeper, but that's what she was. Mm -hmm. And she loaned it to her. So her story is just woven with, with, you know, (sighs) stories of, of, adversity and overcoming them. And then it just blossomed and made her a, a famous candy maker that people all over the world know about. And the New York Times actually wrote an article about her candy making, which was incredible. So her, her story was just very unique and a lot of fun to play. Where was she from? Oh, she was from Frankfurt. Okay. Yeah. So she's, yeah. she stayed uh, in Frankfurt and mm-hmm. that's where... Yeah. Yeah. Candy, candy shop is still there yeah. to this very day. And um, the, the other character that you played mm-hmm. for seven years? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was um, Lucy Audubon. Now, she was a British character. Uh, she was actually from England. Her husband, John James Audubon, uh, was this flamboyant Frenchman. And most people know that he was the artist for that larger-than-life-size Birds of America. Um, and they spent uh, a decade in Kentucky, and they lived in Henderson and Louisville. And um, just the struggles that they had with kind of, you know, frontier Kentucky starting out. What was the Um, time period? Well, 1800 Mm. um, was the time period through 1830, the the time period that I do Mm -hmm. her her life. Um, And uh, they first lived in Louisville, which was actually quite advanced, you know, um, for for the time. Uh, They did have, um, you know, a library and schools and, and things like that. But when they moved to Henderson... It truly was more like pioneer life. Yeah. So it was um, very interesting for this these this European couple to come over to Kentucky, but they really took it to, to Kentucky. And a lot of the birds that he drew um, came from this area. So um, their story was very interesting from an outsider's perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think... 
that's something that we have to remember. You know, obviously, uh, you know, I wasn't born in Brennan, Kentucky. Hmm. Doesn't mean I don't appreciate Kentucky. And I think if you think, well, you have to be born in Kentucky to really appreciate it or to say that you're a Kentuckian, mm -hmm. then I think our thinking is wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. What, um, they only stayed here a decade, mm -hmm. and, and they left to, to do what then? Do you, do you know the rest yeah. of their lives? Well, they, they left Kentucky because they went back to Europe because mm -hmm. John James Audubon had finally found a publisher for his work because he spent years. People didn't want to buy his work here in America because guess what? They knew the birds, but those same birds weren't over in Europe. Um, so, um, you know, he finally found a publisher in Europe, and he came back, and uh, Lucy and John went back to Europe to finish the, the publication, and Lucy became his business manager. And um, without her help, he never would have done that. So eventually, though, they did come back, and um, uh, they actually settled in New York, mm. but their two sons actually lived um, back in Kentucky, and mm. her, her uh, well, they, they, they came to New York for a short while, too, but her granddaughters uh, lived um, in the Shelbyville area, mm. and so she went, after her husband died, she went back, and she lived with them, so she kind of came back mm -hmm. to Kentucky as well. So mm -hmm. just, just very interesting. What brought uh, to your attention uh, Madeline Breckenridge? And um, I know oftentimes uh, in with our Chautauqua performers, mm -hmm. somebody might suggest that uh, you could do this mm -hmm. this person. Sure. Uh, but but I, was this an original with you, or did somebody suggest that this might be something that you would be a good fit for? No, you? it wasn't my original thought. Um, I was actually thinking of okay, I've done Lucy Audubon for seven years. I hate to say it, but the bookings were slowing down. Mm. And uh, anybody that had uh, booked the show had seen it. <laughs> so it really was time to change. And I was throwing a couple characters back and forth in my mind. And a former director of the Kentucky Humanities Council, Ben Chandler, called mm. me up. He goes, I've been looking at your numbers. I go, yeah, they're not very good. <laughs> they're, they're slowing down. He goes, yeah, he goes, but, he goes, it's a shame, though, because you're, you're a really good actress and a writer. And um, you, you do a beautiful job. Are you thinking about audition? I said, yes, actually, I am. And he's like, all right. He goes, do you have anybody in mind? And no, well, kind of, but not really. I'm still kicking it around. And he says, well, he said, now I cannot guarantee it. He said, but a, a good suggestion would be Madeline McDowell Breckenridge. I think she would be a really good fit for you. Wonderful. Um, and, and I said, okay. And um, there was um, somebody else who was also auditioning for Madeline McDowell Breckenridge. And I know all too well, just because you're a former actor for the Humanities Council in Chautauqua doesn't mean you're going to get a role. I auditioned for two roles and didn't get them either. So um, so even though I have four characters, there were opportunities where I didn't get it. Um, and that's an actor's life. You deal with that. Um, but anyway, so... Um, but, you know, as, as luck would have it, knock on wood, I did get the role. And... Um, I'm really, I am not my characters. Mm -hmm. I'm really different. Even though Madeline fit me more, mm -hmm. I, I definitely fit more of her, her personality and, and her perseverance and, and her mindset, but I'm not her. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are some actors that say, yeah, I really correlate with this character. I'm so much like them. I'm not. Mm. Uh, none of my characters are. I find similarities here and there. Um, but I'm definitely not my character, and, and to me, it's much more interesting to play somebody that I'm not like than somebody that I am. What is um, her significance? And uh, and we appreciate Ben. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that story. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, recommending. Uh, what what did he see in 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 uh, her role in history in Kentucky that uh, suggested uh, that you play her? 
Oh, well, you've got to ask Ben that, actually. <laughs> I, I actually never asked him that, so I, I can't answer that question. But I will say that um, Madge, which is actually what she preferred to be called uh, by her close friends and family, uh, Madge, um, she was born to privilege. She was the great-granddaughter of Henry Clay. Uh, her family actually is credited with um, reviving Ashland, Henry Clay's uh, estate, because it actually fell out of the family for you know, a good 20 years. And mm -hmm. um, the University of Kentucky was using it as, as office storage. So sad. Mm -hmm. uh, but her family was the one that revived it. And um, Madge was born to privilege. Um, and, uh, but she, she, her family did raise her to say, you know, we have a responsibility to society. You know, we're Clays, we're McDowells, and um, we need to do public service. So she was raised that way. And she just saw um, a great insignificance um, uh, with a lot of things. Um, you know, uh, child welfare, um, you know, women voting, um, tuberculosis research. She, she uh, suffered from tuberculosis, so um, that was something that, you know, she poured her heart and soul into. Um, but her significance is, is not only did she help women get the right to vote in Kentucky, but she became a national spokesperson. Mm -hmm. And so here we have someone from Kentucky born to privilege fighting for other people's rights. Um, people that that you know had been kind of put down by society and kept in their place. You know, step aside, ladies. Let the men do the work. She wasn't willing to do that, and uh, she fought very hard. And she had a a national presence as well. And you know, something really interesting is. A lot of people, when they think of talking about an unknown character, when they think of women's suffrage, they think of her cousin, Laura Clay, first. Mm. And it's very interesting because, no disrespect to Laura, but Laura had been fighting for women's right to vote even before Madge was born. Okay? Mm. And uh, <laughs> she gets credited in Kentucky so often for helping women get the right to vote, but ironically, when it was time for, for women's rights and suffrage to be voted on a national level, that's when Laura backed away from it because she mm. really liked states' rights better. And she didn't think it should be a national decision. She thought every state should decide. And that's something that Madeline fought against. And she says, no, if men have the national right to vote, mm -hmm. then so should women. Um, eventually, after women got the federal right to vote, Laura came back into it. There wasn't anything she could do about it at that point, but so she came back into it and uh, she accepted it. Um, and Madge died young. Hmm. So Madge doesn't really get the credit she deserves, which is why I thought it was very important to share her story. Your uh, character uh, of Rosie yeah. may or may not be, especially to a certain mm -hmm. age, mm -hmm. uh, uh, well known as far as the, the title is concerned. And sure. as I said, uh, earlier that uh, I'm sure a lot of people don't know that she's uh, from Kentucky. Um, but tell me a little bit about her and, um, and her roots and uh, how she ended up as this uh, iconic um, uh, member of, um, of, of really nationally mm -hmm. known mm -hmm. and, uh, again, uh, from Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, well, first I do want to make clear that Rosie the Riveter is a fictional character. She's not a real person. Uh, Rose Lay, well, that was her birth name, Rose Lay. A lot of people know her as Rose Will Monroe, which were her two 
two married names. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was actually married three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, but uh, Rose Lay, um, she was the real person. She became Rosie the Riveter. Um, Rosie the Riveter was just a symbol of women working in the factories during World War II. Uh, it first uh, became popular with a song called Rosie the Riveter, Four Vagabonds, uh, made it the most popular. Uh, and then Norman Rockwell has a very famous painting uh, that appeared on the Saturday Evening Post of a female worker, very muscular and brawny with you know the kerchief in her hair and a lunchbox. And uh, he named her Rosie. So Rose Lay. This character uh, wasn't Rosie before. Uh, she wasn't Rosie before the war, no. No. Uh-huh. Well, uh, no, no. W- w- was she Rosie uh, until uh, uh, Norman Rockwell uh, named her Rosie, or was that? No, uh, he, he based it on the, the song. Okay. Yeah, he, he, he based he, it on the song. He named his yeah. painting after the song because the song was so, so popular. Uh-huh. Uh, and then uh, when, um, you know, war broke out and, and Rose Lay went up to Ypsilanti, Michigan to work at Willow Run Bomber Factory, um, she was spotted by um, a film crew, and uh, Walter Pigeon was an actor, and he was helping to produce these short films to encourage civilians to mm-hmm. purchase war bonds. And he said, gosh, that song is so popular. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could find a real-life Rosie the Riveter here at the factory? I'd, I'd put her in the film. And, uh, well, yeah, indeed, there was a real woman named Rosie who was a Riveter. So they kind of pulled her out of line, and you know, he thought, well, you'd be perfect for the role. So she suddenly became the image of Rosie because, you know, let's face it, at that time, we were at war. You know, a lot of people, they did have money in their pocket, and it wasn't really expensive to see a show. So that was really their only entertainment and their biggest indulgence was going to the movies. Um, And there were less and less black and white films and more color films coming out. So that was their escape from all things war. Um, So everybody saw her Mm. in these shorts that appeared Mm. before, you know, the main feature or in between double features. And the most iconic thing about it is it was the first time there was a flesh and blood image of Rosie. Because in a song, you don't know what she looks like. Mm-hmm. And there's an illustration, but we know it's an illustration. Mm-hmm. There's not a real person behind it. But Rosie was a flesh and blood image of Rosie the Riveter. So um, there's actually several people that can you know, lay claim and our audience can't see me, but I'm using those mm-hmm. air quotes right now, mm-hmm. uh, lay claim to Rosie the Riveter. Um, but she was the first flesh and blood one. So that's what makes her story about being Rosie more iconic than any other. How long did she uh, portray the the character? Well, she was only Rosie um, for, you know, a year, mm-hmm. you know, because that's about probably the mm-hmm. shelf life of that mm-hmm. that war bond film. Um, and that was okay. I mean, she got a lot of notoriety from it, and, and she got to go to the movies and the premieres. And, but then the war ended, mm-hmm. and there wasn't any need for Rosie mm-hmm. the River anymore. Um, and so she just, you know, continued. Mm-hmm living her life. And it was only years later when people kind of found out about it that she kind of got more fame about mm-hmm. it. And of course, she passed away. Mm-hmm. And that's when, of course, all the newspaper articles comes out, real Rosie the Riveter mm-hmm. passes away. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, so many you know famous people, they're more famous in death than they are mm-hmm. in, in real life, which mm-hmm. is kind of sad sometimes, but um, it leaves a legacy. And did she come back to Kentucky? She did not officially come back to Kentucky. She actually settled in southern Indiana, but she always worked in Louisville. So that's where she worked, and um, she she held many jobs there, and, you know, crossing that river um, was very easy. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, she did have a Kentucky presence, but she didn't have a house there anymore. You know, I've never looked all, uh, and I don't go to Science Hill Uh uh, every day, but I was there back in the late winter um, last year, 
Is there a historical marker there? There is, um, and unfortunately, I'm so glad that you've been to Science Hill because <clears throat> I have not. <laughs> oh, okay. I, you but know, there is a marker there. there I'll, is a marker I will look in, for that the next time. In I my go. research, um, yeah. I, I read that there is a marker there for her. Yeah. Um, and I, I typically try to visit sure. the home places of the characters. You know, I'll even drive around in the country and try to find the foundation of their original house, which I've done before. Um, but hers is not one. She's still relatively new for me. Mm-hmm. I've only been doing her a couple of months. Yeah. And uh, so I, I need to plan a trip and go there. Or maybe, maybe they'll, somebody there will hire me and I can do it's a exactly show what there. I'm, well, you know what? I was just thinking, why <laughs> not that? Uh, either yeah. school or yeah. library or historical um, society of some sort. Yeah. Has maybe we can work yet? on that together. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm, I'm terrible because I was, um, oh, gosh, I, I was in advertising for years and years and years. And have I done any marketing for it? No. Uh. <laughs> so I, it, it would be good if I contacted contacted them and let them know, hey, this is available. Well, we're going to help you with that. Okay, uh, great. <laughs> Kelly, wh- why do you think, um, I know you believe in this uh, yeah. Chautauqua uh, yeah. program that's been operated uh, by the Kentucky Humanities for uh, since al- almost since its inception. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, a long, long time yeah. and, and has such a, a great reputation. Why do you believe that it's so important that we continue this? Oh, well, it's important because history is often lost. We're seeing every single day that, you know, people don't understand a lot of not only, you know, history in our own state, but in our country, in our world. You know, they get facts mixed up or or they're they're never taught it properly in school. Um, and verbal and oral history, it's just, oh, it's so important and it gets passed down, but information gets lost with each generation. Um, and if we don't have these stories to tell people, they're going to lose track of their history and what makes their area stand out. Everybody's proud of where they come from. You know, this in the United States and in, in, in communities all over the world, there's always pride of where you come from. But it's up to us where we are right now to share those stories. And that's what Kentucky Chautauqua does. Well, thanks so much for yeah. joining us on the podcast. Uh, we want to put in a, another uh, shameless plug yeah. for for Rosie the Riveter and, and, and the work that you're doing and the work. Uh, you, you already told me that you really are uh, going to be quite busy this year. But yeah. if uh, if somebody down in uh, the Science Hill area <laughs> or Stamford or Lancaster yeah. or uh, but but more particularly right there and you know the the school i believe sits right on the highway if i remember correctly at least one of the schools yeah. i think it's an elementary school or a middle okay. school right there so that'd be a place for you to land yeah. uh, here yeah. soon we'll we'll uh, we'll give them a call let's hope <laughs> okay thanks for joining us thanks so much think humanities is a podcast from kentucky humanities and is a production of the university of kentucky college of arts and sciences This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. SoundCloud.